Thank you, Jesus. God has laid something on my heart that is, it is a thought that has been dormant. And yet he has brought something to me. Because, can I tell you that the enemy has planted destructive seeds in some hearts. And the Lord wants to pull back the curtain of your understanding and he wants to completely eradicate what the enemy has planted in your heart. Oh, this is a revival message. I'm coming from a different direction, but I'm here to preach for your tomorrows. I said I'm here to preach for your tomorrows. And we are about... In Psalm chapter 91, we read this passage, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Lord, we stand here today filled. We have felt the power of your spirit. You have already shown us that you can fill a heart and you have shown us that you can heal a body and now father you are going to demonstrate to us that you are going to set people free i rebuke deception i rebuke deception i take authority over strongholds that cause people to not see what they need to see in the name of jesus christ you may be seated. Lions are fierce creatures. Every part of their anatomy reminds us that they were engineered to be predators. Keen eyesight for hunting. Explosive speed for the chase. Tremendous strength to bring down animals three times their size and weight. Agility to avoid the prey's efforts to defend themselves. Claws for grasping Powerful jaws for suffocating the prey and dagger-like teeth for tearing. You must understand something tonight that there is no such thing as a domesticated lion. You can take the lion out of the wild, but you'll never take the wild out of the lion. Given the opportunity, a lion will destroy you. Destruction is the nature of the lion. King David, the writer of our text, had a history with lions. While standing in the field, David saw a lion attacking one of his sheep. And although David was just a boy, not even old enough to enlist in the army, the Bible tells us that he smote the lion, pulled the sheep out of the lion's mouth. But that wasn't the end of the confrontation because the Bible says that the lion rose up against him. I want to impress on your mind that David smote the lion. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if he used his fist. I don't know exactly how he smote the lion. But the Bible says he rescued the lamb and then the lion shook himself. Ding, ding, round two. And when he rose up against him, the second time the Bible says, he caught the lion by his beard and he slew him. In our text, we find the psalmist David's command 
to tread upon the young lion. Now, when you read the scripture, you will discover that David has already mentioned the lion. And then he says, trample the adder. And then for some reason, he mentions the young lion. David names the lion, the adder. Then the young lion as something that should be conquered, that should be trampled under our feet. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't think David was being redundant. I think David was speaking from an experience that he had as a shepherd. Could I surmise for a moment? Could it be that David discovered that same lion when it was just a tiny, timid cub? And maybe he knew what should be done for the sake of the flock. He had to kill it. But compassion and sympathy replaced common sense. And is it possible that David permitted a young lion to live and over the course of time that lion matured and became a threat to his life, to his livelihood, and to his family? There's a powerful truth that's concealed in David's warning to conquer the young lions. And here's the truth for the note takers in the house. Are you ready for this? Some things are best conquered in our lives sooner than later. I said I'm preaching for your tomorrows. We're about to trample some young lions under our feet because God has a plan for your life and for this district and we cannot place predators in our tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Yes, we're going to have revival, but judgment's going to start in the house of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you spare the young lion in your life, you will face him someday in all of his power. There are some people who are sitting in pews right now. And when you started this journey, you started this journey with holy expectation and destiny was in your life. The Lord had made promises to you, but you allowed some things to exist, some things to live, some small compromises, and it grew up in your life. And rather than being a, a preacher of the gospel today, you're sitting in a pew. You're not trying to do great things for God. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to save your marriage. You're just trying to tell yourself you don't need another drink and you don't need another look at pornography. And I'm here to tell you, you need to put something under your feet right now. God wants you to do more than survive. He has greatness ready for you. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. If you don't trample the young lion in your life, you will not be able to serve the kingdom. You will only survive. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated for every young lion, for every evil thought, for every evil practice that you eradicate from your life. You are sparing yourself a future battle with the full grown lion. So what's the problem? 
Why is it so difficult to deal with young lions, no takers? Would you write this down? It's not complicated. It's very simple. The reason why we allow young lions to live in our life is because lions are cute as cubs. It's kind of fun. Yes. Lion cubs are three or four pounds at birth, born with their eyes shut. They have cute spots on their backs. They are defenseless. They are dangerous to no one. And it's at this stage of the game that the unwise attention seeker decides he's going to go to some exotic pet store and he'd like to have a little lion cub for a pet. It's at this stage of the game that a child looks up at mom at the zoo and says, Mama, I want one of those. Can I take one home? And that child doesn't realize that that beautiful little lion cub, it's sitting right next to a huge predator. They're not looking at the predator. They're just looking at this beautiful little picture of cuteness. And can I remind all of us in this place that the steep slope to sin always starts out innocent. Always, always, always. I'm here to pull back the curtain. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place to reveal to you that there is danger in your life and it's going to compete with the greatness that God has destined for you. Sin always starts out innocent. Are you ready? We're just Facebook friends. We're just Facebook friends. Funny thing, you didn't mention that you've reconnected with that person to your spouse. Funny. Interesting. I'm preaching for somebody's marriage right now. It's just a hobby. It's just a hobby. I just enjoy doing this. No, it's not just a hobby. It is your obsession. And you can have many passions, but you can only have one obsession. And that obsession must be Jesus Christ and his purpose for your life. It is not your hobby. It is your idol. And you are sacrificing your family and your calling for your hobby. Oh, don't worry, preacher. I'm, I'm careful. I'm being careful. You're going to be careful. Brother Sistrunk, we know somebody, you and me, who told us she was going to be careful. Single mom. Little boy. And she met somebody. Let me talk to the singles for a moment. Time out. You ready for this? Never underestimate the power of attraction and chemistry. You can fall in love with the wrong person. I'm here to tell you, you can. But attraction and chemistry does not mean that person was meant for you. Well, I tried to tell her, no, 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 you don't want to do this. You're on the rebound. You just lost your husband. You don't want to do this. Please don't do this. And I thought that I was being reasonable. You can tell me if I wasn't being reasonable, but 
this guy that she was, you know, interested in. They were just friends. He had an addiction problem. Several, as a matter of fact. It wasn't a secret. It was wide out in the, in the open. Several children, none of them had the same mom. At the time that she was, you know, had this friend, this gentleman was living with a woman who was not his wife. Come on now. We're not talking about rock and science here. You don't have to be a genius, but that tells you sometimes we can't see the predator in the cub. We just, we just can't see. Deception is a scary thing. That's why you need to pray every day. Lord, I pray against deception. You need to pray against deception every day because you don't know when you're being deceived. I laid it all out there. All, just the whole laundry list. The guy doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a job. I did everything that I could. I said everything that I could say. And this is what she said to me. You ready? She said, I'll be careful. Oh, that's a lion cub right there. Oh, isn't he cute? Just hit the fast forward button. Brother Sistrunk will tell you, it didn't take long for the lion to mature. It didn't take long for disaster to happen. It didn't take long. Can I tell somebody, the devil is a roaring lion, and he is seeking whom he may devour. Not what he can devour, whom he may devour. He's described as a lion because he has predator instinct. He is cunning. He has been known to ambush his prey. He kills for the sport. He kills for the bloody conquest. He loves to tear marriages apart. He loves to tear revival churches apart. He loves to see people cry in agony while he devours them. And I think this is what Paul had in mind. When he said in Ephesians 4.27, give no place to the devil. I don't have time to preach the way I want to preach, but I just want to tell somebody, you need to rethink media in your life. You just need to stop and you need to think about what you're doing. And you need to realize that you are watching things that you used to have a conviction about. When you heard certain words, it cut to your heart and it shocked you. But all of a sudden, something has changed. Don't give the devil place in your life. I want you to know media is an IV to your soul. I want you to know that music is spiritual. Not just because it's coming from a church. It's spiritual when it's in a rock concert. There are spirits that are involved with media. There are spirits that are involved with music. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. God is looking for holy people to stand up and say yes to his kingdom. Give no place, give no place. Turn to your neighbor and say, give no place. Give no place to the devil. 
I have seen people destroyed because they failed to destroy the lion in their lives. I'm reminded of Saul who spared Agag, the Amalekite king. He was commanded to spare no one, but he left the back door of his life unbolted. Did you hear me? I said he left the back door of his life unbolted. He spared the young lion, and that same lion became his demise. When you hit the fast-forward button to Saul's life, you will find him. He is wounded. He is mortally wounded on the battlefield, and the shroud of death is beginning to cover his face, and he looks up and he sees his conqueror and he looks at his conqueror he doesn't recognize him he says who are you and the response is chilling because the very thing that Saul allowed to live became his conqueror in his moment of weakness the response was I am an Amalekite I'm fine preacher I'm doing fine. I may not be where I need to be, but I'm doing okay. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed this service. I'm not locked up. My engine's not locked up. I feel God in this place. I've enjoyed what I'm feeling. I may not be living right, but I can still feel God's presence. I've got a little 411 for you, note takers. You might want to write this down. Just because you can feel God's presence does not mean you have his approval. God is faithful. If you praise him, you can feel his presence. But it doesn't mean he approves of what you're doing. Don't think that because you can still speak in tongues that you somehow found some way to balance the world. You can't play this game with God. The Lord has come today to tell you, you need to kill that thing. It is a threat to your life. It is a threat to your family. It is a threat to your calling. You think you can walk a line on a leash? Come on now. You think, where's that little joker that beat me in ping pong today? Or yesterday? There he is. Come here. Not only him. I'm humbled to tell you, uh, Sister Parrish beat me also, but let's not talk about that right now. Hey, buddy. Good game. I'm the lion. Come on, take me for a walk. All right. Yeah. This is good. You think you can take a lion for a walk? 600 pounds, nine feet long. Nose to tail. You think you can walk a lion on a leash? You just think you can do whatever you want on the internet, you know? You think you can just look at whatever you want to look at and it's not going to affect you? You think so? You think that's how it's going to work? You think it's going to be like that? Boy, isn't that interesting? He was walking me, but I'm, not, I'm walking him. And there was no resistance. Did you see that? Did you see that? No resistance. No fight. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. You give it all up. You think you're leading? You're not leading. And while he's leading, he's growing. While he's leading, the problem is maturing. Maturing. 
And all of a sudden, that little Facebook friend becomes something more. This is something you wouldn't want your wife to know about. You wouldn't want your pastor to know about. But somebody on Facebook had a hard day, and you were more attentive to her than you were your own wife. The sound of concern on her face. And because you were sensitive to her need, it endeared you to her. She's pouring out her soul and now you're pouring out your soul. And the next thing you know, chemistry's happening. And the next thing you know, attraction is happening. And now something's starting to happen and you realize the stakes are high. But you are so invested in this thing. Deception begins to work. And the next thing you know, you're so tangled into this thing, you can't get out of it. Somebody's going to be hurt. Somebody's going to be disappointed. Can I tell you what the lion's going to do in your life if you don't trample him under your feet tonight? He's going to isolate you. He's going to get you all by yourself. He'll drag you away from your family. He'll drag you out of the church. He'll drag you from under the authority of your pastor. He'll get you all by yourself. You know what's going to happen? What was once once your pet is now a predator and the lion's going to turn on you and you're going to realize that you're looking in the eyes of a predator and you've only got one chance now. Fight for your life. Oh, it would have been so much easier had you trampled that lion under your feet. Now, if you've got to save your marriage, you've lost all your credibility All that calling that was there. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to even teach a Sunday school class now. I once dreamed about preaching revivals. I once dreamed about jumping in an airplane and preaching to people that never heard the gospel. But now I don't even know if I qualify to be an usher or a church member. Oh, you can fight But I promise you this, win or lose, you are going to carry scars scars for the rest of your life. Did you hear me? You are going to carry scars for the rest of your life. Some of you can say amen because you're carrying some scars right now. And thank God because his grace is sufficient. And where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. I'm thankful for that. But I'm here to tell somebody you need to stop this train. You need to get off of this thing. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to return to your call. You need to return to your first love. Because God's getting ready to do something in the Alaska Yukon District. And we need every hand on deck. Hear me, hear me. This is what the devil wants to do. He wants you to be an apostolic ISIS member. While your pastor's having revival and the church is full throttle and all of a sudden what we have prayed for years for is happening. The devil who was dormant in your life 
will shame you in front of everybody and distract your pastor and derail the momentum of your church. All the prayer, all the fasting, all the work, all the effort. And here it is, a prominent saint in the church falling flat on their face in front of God and everybody else. And everyone is in shock. And the devil said, yes, I got your attention now. Not only for the sake of yourself, not only for the sake of your family, but for the sake of the church, for the kingdom of God, for your pastor. You need to fight like there's no tomorrow. We need to return to the highway of holiness. You are not going to domesticate that lion. It's never going to happen. I'm almost done. The last minute, I really felt strongly to put some thoughts into this message. And I want to do my due diligence to share this. Grab your pen and paper because I may say something that will help you in the next couple of moments as we're finishing this service. I want to talk to us very briefly about addiction. We don't talk, talk enough about this stuff. I know it's camp meeting and I know we need to hang from chandeliers and all that other stuff. But I know as a pastor how I always wanted somebody to come and preach when people's hearts are open in a unique way. Camp meeting is a unique moment. Our hearts are open in a unique way. And I want to plant a seed in your heart and take advantage of this moment. I don't just want you to shout. I want you to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I want to confront a problem that is in our world and in the church. Addiction is continuing to repeat a behavior that you know is harming yourself and others. You're doing it in spite of the negative consequences. Did you know that we are the only creatures that continue to do self-destructive behavior in spite of negative consequences? Has anybody ever heard of an invisible fence? I don't know if they use those in Alaska. Your dogs probably have free range to do whatever they want to do. Electric fences. You put that shock collar on that dog, and it's going to be about 10 minutes, and that dog is going to figure out where the boundaries are. You get burned so many times, and you learn. That's the dog. That's not us. We continue to repeat behavior that is destructive to ourselves and others in spite of the negative consequences. Write this down, would you? Addiction is a loss of control. You are slowly losing control. It is advancing territory in your life. And it all comes down to this. You are trying to cope with pain. This is idolatry. You are turning to something to do for you what only Jesus Christ can do for you. Now, it is easy to recognize the chemical dependency aspects of addiction, but it's harder to spot the compulsive aspects and realize that it's addiction in our life. Like, are you ready? Work. You think being a workaholic is noble. Look, working is noble. But when you work so much, your prayer life is gone. You give your job what's first and you give God what is left. 
You have abandoned your role of priest in your home for your job. You are a brilliant leader at work, but you sit on a pew like a bump on a pickle. And you act like you are helpless in a church environment. And when the pastor taps you and asks you for help, you are too busy. Because you are a workaholic and you have an addiction in your life that is advancing and taking territories. And when it's all said and done, you won't have anything to show for it. Hard to check that. But, but work can be an addiction. It can be your poison. Food. Come on, apostolics. Food. We can eat ourselves to death. Approval. Possessions. Intimacy. Social media. Some people, oh, I, I can't tell you, that may be the number one addiction or the emerging addiction in our world today, social media. Oh, my, oh, my. I could shake that tree for a while. We could see some things fall. But suffice it to say, it's incredible how vulnerable we can be on social media, but when we come to an altar, the only thing we do is sing the same song they're singing at the altar, and there is no vulnerability at the altar. You can post paragraphs on Facebook, but you can't say one paragraph at an altar to God after a service. You're more interested in tweeting what happened in the service than you are participating in God intended for your body to serve your mind and your will. But because of sin, my will and my mind becomes enslaved to my body. We call this addiction. An addiction is when my will and my mind has become enslaved to the appetites of my body. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. What does the Holy Ghost do? The Holy Ghost integrates everything. It restores everything. The proper place. My body is no longer king. It is in submission to the will of God. When you're addicted, something needs to change. I'm talking to people because I'm looking at some addicted people. And I love you. And your pastor loves you. And Jesus Christ has come to set you free. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And you need change in your life. Now, in recovery programs, that perspective about change is this. If you can change your behavior, you can change who you are. In other words, your behavior is the problem. But the biblical view of change is this. Are you ready, note takers? In order to change what you do, you must first change who you are. Here's the problem with the secular view. If you give up a coping behavior without resolving the underlying issue, the pain, the fear that is causing you to do all this dumb stuff that you cope with in your life, all you're going to do is you are going to trade one coping behavior for another. This is what we call trading seats on the Titanic. That's all you're ever going to do is trade seats on the Titanic if you're just trying to change your behavior so you, you, you can change who you are. That's not what the Bible tells us. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You've got to change who you are by the blood and by the spirit of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I need a musician to come up here to give people hope. Would you do that for me right now? Your way's not going to work. I'm preaching to somebody. This is a revival message. I'm sorry. This is a revival message. If we can get this. How we respond to this message determines how God can trust us with revival. Oh, yes. Everybody needs to say, Lord, search me. Search me. I don't want a predator in my tomorrows, and I don't want to put revival in jeopardy. I'm going to tell you why your way is not going to work. Are you ready, number one? Because the best you can do without God's help is manage your addiction. That's the best you're ever going to be able to do. I'm just going to cut back on it. I'm not going to watch as much television. I'm just going to cut back. I'm not going to go to those websites as frequently. I'm just going to cut it back to a few cigarettes. And you think you've got wins because you're cutting back. I'm here to tell you the power of God is here to deliver you and set you free. Come on, read your paper and realize you're not going to manage your way to victory on this thing. Anybody ever hear a prince, the, the pop star prince? He managed his addiction until it finally mastered him. His drug dealer said he spent $40,000 per transaction. Stop treating your addiction like it's a bonsai tree. Just not going to let it get big. Here's the second reason why it's not going to work for you. You can stand. Because you're lying to yourself. You are lying to yourself. Did you know that addicted people lie? And they commonly lie to people they love. But the person they lie to the most is themselves. This addiction isn't impacting my family. It's not that bad. I'll quit tomorrow. I'll quit next week. Hmm. Lying. Underestimating the severity of your situation. Telling you're, you're looking at a lion and you see a pet. You don't see a predator. You won't even kill the predator. It's your pet. It's hard to put a pet to sleep. What do we need to do? You ready, note takers? Write this down. Confront. I'm not going to preach this. I just need to tell you, do this. Confront through confession. The word of God tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. In other words, I'm passing my life to the furnace of truth. Your opinion of me is correct. I am a sinner. I have fallen short. And Lord, I'm pointing my finger to the compromise in my life. And I'm declaring it as sin in my life. Confess your sin not only to God, but to one another. The word of God tells us we should confess our sins one to another. And you need to be accountable to your pastor. And you need to have an important meeting with your pastor and say, Pastor, I'm trampling a young, young lion in my life. 
I'm doing this for my relationship for God first and foremost, but also for my family and because I don't want to put a predator in this church. And then I want you to confront through insubordination to the addiction. I want you to be insubordinate. That's right. The devil is trying to arrest you with addiction, and I want you to resist arrest. You're not putting shackles on me, devil. You're not putting shackles on my family. You're not putting shackles on my marriage. You're not putting shackles on my future. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yes. Trample that lion under your feet. Samson fought a lion, and he won. He left the lion. Many days later, he came back. He seized the carcass of the lion. The lion carcass has been, it's dried out. But something has happened. It has been inhabited by bees. And in the carcass of the lion, there is sweet honeycomb. The Bible says that Samson ate the honey. And he brought some back to his family. Here's my point. If you will confront the lion, you will taste the sweetness someday. It's going to hurt now. Your flesh is going to call out for it. But I'm not allowing my flesh to dictate my values anymore. I'm letting my conviction from the Spirit and the Word of God to determine my response to temptation. And if you will do that, you will taste the sweetness someday. I want to thank you, Dad. I want to thank you, Dad. For trampling young lions. My dad was raised around the church but didn't live for God. But there came a day when my dad said, enough is enough, and there were babies in the house. And he trampled that lion in his life, and he never looked back. All I've ever known is the church. I've never known my dad as a party animal. I've never known my dad out running the cops. I don't know that side of him. Today, we're sharing an incredible experience, and I have the privilege and the honor to preach this incredible camp meeting. My dad is here, cheerleading me all the way, praying before the service for me. I want you to know my dad is tasting the sweetness. I'm not the only child in the family. Every one of us, every one of the children are living for God in an active ministry, and every one of the grandchildren are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and living for God. If you will trample the lion, you will taste the sweetness someday so church this is your moment to trample the young lion under your feet I open this altar for you to come and pass your life through the furnace of truth Come on. Come on. 
This is your chance. You can do it. You can do it. I challenge you, shake off that chain right where you're standing. Walk away from it toward this altar tonight. You can do it. You can do it. We're praying for you. You're going to make it. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You can do this. Come on. Come on. God has something special for your life. He wants to use you in ways that you haven't any idea of. Wonderful ways. Great ways. You've got to lay those shackles down. Leave that ball and chain behind you. Would you dare to say it's everything tonight, God? 100% tonight, God. 100%. If you'll do this tonight, It'll bring revival in your life like nothing else will. Be an overcomer right now. When Paul and Silas prayed in the prison, there was a great earthquake. The prison doors flew open. All of them. All of the prison doors flew open and every chain fell off. The same spirit is here tonight in this service. Right now, a second altar call, a second chance. Right now, the prison doors are opening. 